I'm Josh. And I'm Stacey Lee. We're missionaries in Malawi with Gospel Life Global Missions. And this is the Gospel Life Podcast, where we talk about missions, Malawi, and more. Today, we're going to talk about obstacles that keep people from responding to God's missionary call. So you have your sweatshirt on. Yes, and socks today. It's been really chilly. Yeah, it's been kind of unusually cold. It's January, and that is our summer. But right now, it is really chilly in the house, so we're all bundled up. Yeah, and by really chilly, we mean that it was a high of, I think, 68 today. Yeah. Um, which is pretty chilly. Especially for people who live in a tropical climate. <laughs> Yeah. I remember when my sister moved to Florida and we used to give her a hard time when she said it was cold and yeah. it sounded warm to us but, in Kentucky. But, you know, we don't have heat in our house. And think about if you have the thermostat in your house set on 68, that's a pretty cool nighttime temperature, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, enjoying it. I love it. So the kids are back in school. We yeah. We had Christmas break and now... Back to the routine. They're in second term now. Yeah. They're in the British school system that does three terms instead and of semesters. And we have two in athletics, which mm-hmm. is the British term for track and field. Yeah, they're apparently one, really fast. And one playing netball. Which is also which the is British version of... <laughs> a sport that Americans have never heard of. It's yeah, it's kind of the British version of women's basketball, but they Except there's no dribbling. Yeah, there's you have to pass, and there's no backboard. Yeah, and it's a lot slower pace. That's the way I'll put it. <laughs> because I yeah, I don't want to offend any netball fans out there. It's slower paced. Yeah, but so we have a Taylor. Taylor's our netball star. And ministry-wise, in the month of January, we have residential students here, and they have are here for four weeks, and they're learning and having a great time. And we're doing a class on uh, Bible survey this term. We have uh, a preaching class, and then we're also doing an inductive Bible study of First Peter during this term, and that's going great. And then also we've seen a lot of growth at Gospel Life Baptist Church in Zomba. And we've just this past week integrated English into our worship service for those uh, young people who want to worship in English. And And also for the American family. for the American family. (laughs) Um, But there are a lot of people in the city that prefer English. Yeah. And so it really helps us to reach out to them. And uh, pretty soon we're going to have to move locations somewhere. Uh, We're trying to narrow that down in order to accommodate more people because we're running out of room. Yeah, which is an exciting problem to have. Yeah. So um, today we are going to talk about obstacles that keep people from the mission field. And um, obviously, not obstacles that kept us from the mission field because we're here. Right. But um, still things that we've struggled with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we just occasionally get questions yeah. from people back in the States who are maybe considering or starting to feel that push 
Yeah, and we don't have all the answers. We're not like not at all. geniuses, but maybe we can just kind of pretend that we're counseling someone like we tend to do when someone's interested in missions and talk about uh, some of these issues. Yeah. planning this episode, we posted on social media asking people, what are some of the obstacles that keep people from the mission field? And what is the number one thing that people talked about the most? Family. Family. Absolutely. Family, kids, uh, parents, extended family. The family issue is definitely the number one issue for Americans feeling a call to overseas service. Which is totally understandable. We love our families. Yeah, yeah, as we are commanded we to should. do in, in the scriptures. Uh, so um, on the one hand is people's concerns for their own children. Yeah. So what are some of the things that people are worried about for their kids? Um. You know, it's easy to worry that your kids will miss out on this normal life, what we consider a normal middle class life in America. They're mm-hmm. going to miss out uh, on the friends and the after school activities. And yeah, and uh, and the just the kind of life that you had when you were growing up. Yeah. And it just feels like you wish every kid, if you had a good childhood, you wish every kid could have the childhood that you had. And yeah. then they're not going to get that. No. And then on the other hand is the fear of, you know, what's going to happen to my kids if I uproot them mm-hmm. and take them to the other side of the world? Like, what kind of trauma am yeah. I going to put into my kid's life by doing that to them? Yeah. it's And, and that's a legitimate concern, you know? It's... Yeah. And, you know, some kids do have special needs. And so that's another, like, aspect and piece of that puzzle. Um, but it's just a big, uh, big issue of how is this going to affect my children? Because obviously, as parents, we're commanded to bring our children up. Um, and we want to do that well, and but we don't want to take the risk of damaging them in any way. Right. Do you feel like we're damaging our kids? Oh, I don't think so at all. I um, feel like I'm damaging them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably mainly with dad jokes. <laughs> They're going to be so traumatized by their dad's jokes that he tried to tell and nobody laughed at they just roll their eyes and yeah. groan oh dad <laughs> yeah um but what do you think some of these are legitimate do you think they're exaggerated i think both um yeah i think it's good and normal and healthy to care about our children and mm-hmm. how our choices affect them. But I think a lot of the fears are, are also exaggerated. Um, you know, our, our kids have 
done great. Yeah. And, and I know not all kids do. Some kids mm-hmm. do struggle. Yeah. Um, but most kids just are really good at rolling with it. And yeah. which a lot of that has to do with the attitude of their parents. Absolutely. And if their parents have a positive attitude and are pointing out all the things that you're enjoying and the the neat new things you're getting to do and uh, keep them even even um, thinking in terms of themselves as missionaries, like they have a role here too, like they're, they have a purpose in it, then I think that most kids do tend to pick up on that positivity. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, if one of the parents, and it, you know, it tends to be the mother, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the father's the one kind of, I'm thinking of the Poisonwood Bible, If you've read that book where the father drags the family to the Congo and um, it just ruins the family. But it was the father who forced them to go, basically. Mm -hmm. The mother didn't want to go. Well, there's a lot of instances like that on the mission field where the father feels it very strongly and the mother goes just because she feels like she has to or she should and then she doesn't enjoy it she deals with depression those kinds of things and um, that rubs off on the kids and gives the kids a a bad experience too it does but on the whole i think this has not only been not bad for our kids, but it's been incredibly beneficial yes. for them. Yes. I mean, our kids have friends from literally all over the planet. Yeah. Um, the different missionary kids and, and people that they've met here, obviously the Malawian friends that they've made. I mean, there, there are not words yeah. for how amazing I think it is for them to see other cultures and, yeah. I think a lot of people our age are are understanding that there are a lot of people on social media, Christians and non-Christians, uh, on YouTube and different things that are really into traveling with their family and even living the full-time travel yeah. lifestyle because they realize that there is a lot of richness in getting to know the world beyond your little circle. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, missionary kids get to experience that. They get to see the that the world isn't just your little part of the world. Uh, there are people who live differently and do things differently and um, the good, the bad, and but mainly the good of experiencing other cultures and places and languages yeah it's been it's been amazing it's just it's an amazing way to grow up i think but then on the other end and we have not experienced this yet obviously because our kids are little but um and getting older all the time we have a 12 year old (laughs) now but the day comes when your kids leave you and I'm told that's the hardest part of this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, another obstacle, knowing that your kids are going to one day leave you, probably go back 
to the U.S. If you're from the U.S., go to college, have a family, have grandkids uh, that you are probably not going to be around to, you know, have a deep relationship with them the way that uh, you would want to, Mm -hmm. you know, assuming a lot of things. But you're taking that risk that you're going to be in this place for the rest of your life and you're going to lose out on some of those things. Yeah. And then, of course, there's older people who who are leaving. Their kids are already grown up and they're leaving for the mission field in the same kind of way. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Kind of along the same lines with talking about family is the family that you leave behind yeah. in the States. Your parents, your grandparents, your extended family. Yeah. And, and you don't want to leave. Because you know that it's going to hurt them. Yeah. And you're going to miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some people, it's even more than that because there's an active resistance from their family. Yeah. Their family telling them they're making the wrong choice. How could they do this? Uh, really pushing back on the decision. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that would make it. Yeah, uh, thankfully, we have family that is very supportive. Of course, Mm -hmm. we miss them, and it's hard to be away from them. But um, they believe in what we're doing, and they uh, have never really given us a hard time about it. They wanted us to make sure we knew for sure this is what God wanted us to do, of course. Yeah. I wouldn't say they have ever been actively resistant of God's call on our lives. And, you know, in this age, it's we are so blessed to have things like FaceTime and Mm -hmm. uh, whatever you use for video calling. Uh, You know, we can see them and talk to them every day. And it's not exactly the same, but it's pretty great. Yeah. To think of missionaries, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 400 years ago that like got a letter every three months or something yeah by sea yeah and then now even from when we first went and served for two years in moldova we didn't have 10 years ago yeah yeah we didn't have internet um in our apartment and we had to go to a friend's house one day a week uh-huh. To Skype with our parents. Yeah. And that was it. And then the rest of the time we were like off the grid. Yeah. Or remember we would buy calling cards. Yes. Calling cards. <laughs> yeah. Remember those? And we would use the calling cards to call our parents yeah. once and or twice during the week. But you, they didn't have any way to get a hold of dial us. dial everything and then like you'd get one number wrong and you'd have to start all over again yeah. with the whole code and thing. Yeah. But then they couldn't couldn't get in touch with us um yeah it and that was not that long ago and now you know they just called me on my cell phone wherever i am in the country at any time yeah yeah i'm just driving down the road and here my mom's trying to facetime me wondering (laughs) why she's getting the side of my ear so um it's it's amazing the world we live in and then on top of that being able to fly and be somewhere it takes people two days to get to Malawi from most of the U.S., and that's a really long trip. But compared yes. to 
compared to what six months on a six boat. Six months on a boat. Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah. And so it's a it's a great blessing we live in this time period. It, it is. really changes things. And one thing with our extended family that I have experienced is loved ones getting old and dying and not being able to mm-hmm. be there. Yeah. As that happens, um, I, my mom's dad passed away while we were living in Moldova. And even just since we've moved here, I've lost two uncles yeah. in, in, you know, and we have a very close family yeah. with aunts and uncles. Yeah. And then of course it even gets more difficult when you think of your own parents reaching the age where they start to have uh, medical issues yeah. or getting older and then eventually dying and um, and it just makes the choice of being so far away from family that much harder when you think down the road yeah it does you have to obviously for those times have a plan like I, we've had conversations like if this happened with this person what are we going to do yeah. Um, and then that way we don't have to to wait till that moment. We have a plan for that. And also, like, I, my parents are still in pretty good health, um, thank the Lord, and they hopefully will be for many more years. But before I'm, we moved here, I had a conversation with my sister, and she lives in Florida. My mom and dad live in Kentucky, and we made an agreement, like, if anything ever happens with mom and dad, then you get on the next plane and you go help them and I'll help you pay for it because you're the closest one. So um, we're going to do this together. I don't want you to be put out financially, but you've got to be the one to get there. And of course she was on board with that. Yeah. And I don't even have that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, but thankfully I do have a lot of, sweet cousins extended family and then this is really where the church should be coming in for For missionary families yeah by missionary families i mean the part of the family that has sent the missionaries yeah absolutely they've made a sacrifice and um i know that sometimes people feel like they're being nosy or they don't want to push themselves on other people. But really the church needs to be proactive to say, Hey, missionary mom, missionary dad, uh, what do you need? How can I help you? Especially as they get older. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it all comes down to the commands of Christ, right? With, with children and with parents, you know, Jesus, called us to a discipleship that was costly yeah it wasn't supposed to be easy it's taking up your cross and and following him you know and he he even said in luke 14 26 that if someone doesn't hate his own father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even his own life he cannot be my disciple Hmm. So that's the calling, not just of missionaries, but every Christian. Yeah. Like the the family, as important as it is, its importance is relative to the importance of Jesus Christ. Yes. It's not the most important thing. Yeah. And that's very difficult for most people to hear. Mm-hmm. But that's what the Bible teaches. 
It is. Yeah, that's what Jesus calls us to. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're not going to hear us like have easy answers to most of these things. It's not like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, some of this stuff is hard. Yeah. Um, And we're not going to lie and say it's not, but it's worth it. Yeah. And, And the thing that makes it doable, I think, is having a biblical perspective on the world. So I, I mentioned that we're studying First Peter in our inductive Bible study class this term with the students. And, you know, Peter begins that letter by identifying his readers as exiles. And then, of course, the famous part of that letter is when he says that we have been born again to a living hope. And that living hope, nothing can happen to it because it's guarded in heaven. And then he starts to just address all these issues in the life of the Christians. And what he's doing is he's he's saying, you guys are so easily distracted by the things of this world Hmm. and you think that this is reality like this is what really matters and you're living your life as if this reality is the real reality Hmm. but you've got to remember this isn't home you're in exile you have another home and that reality even though you can't see it right now, even though it's in heaven and it's going to come for you when Jesus returns, it's more real and it's eternal. And so make your decisions and live your life in view of that reality, not in the short-sighted vision that is the things you can see and touch. Yeah, that's good. to start including in our podcast a little cultural tidbit in each episode. A tidbit. Right. I came up with that. You did. Um, And being January is something I've learned just this year is that the first time you see someone after the new year, you have to tell them Happy New Year. Yeah. It, It doesn't matter if it's been three weeks. You know, we're what, three weeks into January now. And, and still, we're still telling people Happy New Year. Yeah, if it's the first time you see them after the New Year, which is not something we do in America. Yeah, I don't know if other people do this or if it's just me. So you can judge for yourself. But I tend to tell use Happy New Year anytime after Christmas up to New Year's Day. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe because like I a should... day or two after. Yeah. But not... Yeah, not in this same way. Am I wrong to say Happy New Year before it's actually New Year? I do it in in anticipation. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's wrong. That- but I've said I've told people in the last week of December here, <laughs> I told people Happy New Year and they just looked at me like I was the strangest person in the world and I didn't know why <laughs> until you explained this to me. Yeah, I had it explained to me or I don't think I would have quite picked up on it cuz you you said, oh, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I've noticed it. Yeah. Right? So this is our first time with our podcast listeners this year. So happy, happy New, New Year. Year. 
So family is the biggest set of obstacles that keep people from the mission field. But what are some of the other things that were mentioned when we put this up on social media? I think a big one, and I know absolutely the biggest one for us 10 years ago, well, more than that, when we were talking about first going overseas, was the fear of raising support. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people, um, well, we'll just talk from our own experience. We had in our mind that we had to go with an organization that provided everything. Mm-hmm. We w- didn't come from a tradition that typically raised support for missions, although it's become more popular through the years. And you have the feeling at first that you're going to have to go around and beg people for money, yeah. which most people who have self-respect do not want to do. Yeah. But um it's not that bad as you think it will be. No, and it's actually been the biggest blessing to be so connected with the exactly. people who are supporting us financially. And, and raising support is it's not begging at all. It is all you have to do is you have to get out there, contact people um, that love you and want to hear from you. And tell them what God's called you to and and share with them the passion that God has put on your heart. And when you share passion with people, people want to be a part of that. And then they give money. It's not um, you're not forcing people to do it. Yeah. And there's also plenty of money out there in America for people to give. Absolutely. I know we always lament about the economy and the future in America, but seriously, if people are still going to Disney World, if they're still taking (laughs) their kids to Disney World, because we've just looked into how much it would cost to take our family, that's why this is on my mind, then they can give money to missions. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like um, something you should be afraid of. I think a similar one uh, is language barrier. Mm -hmm. People are afraid of having to learn another language. Yeah, which um, we've had mixed experiences with between here and Moldova. I feel like in Moldova, we learned Romanian really easily. It's a romance language and we both had Spanish in high school. Um, Chichewa being a Bantu language is very different and we have found pretty difficult. And then, of course, you know, most people speak at least a little English here and everybody you do business with speaks English. Yeah. So not having to use it. Yeah. Prevents you from forcing yourself to learn it. But um, that just shows you that there are different languages. There are different places. There are some places that speak the language you speak. So it shouldn't be a barrier. No. Um, And most people, the only reason they think they're bad at learning another language is just because they've never really seriously tried. Yeah. It's it's really not that bad. Yeah. Um, Um, A big one is people just being afraid, like of dangers 
that yes. they think uh, they're going to face in other countries. Yeah. I won't forget the f- when we, we'd only lived here for like a week or two and I took a taxi to the market for the yeah. first time and I posted about it online <laughs> and so many people were so worried that that would be dangerous and I was yeah I was going to get kidnapped or yeah something horrible was going to happen yeah and it Malawi's I mean there are dangerous countries that yeah. need missionaries yeah um and, and it's a hard choice if you're going to take your family and put them in that situation and you've really got to be prayerful about it. At the end of the day, Jesus is worth it. But, you know, right now, me and the girls at bedtime were reading through um, In the Shadow of the Almighty, which is mm-hmm. the journals of Jim Elliott. And um, even he, who's not afraid, I mean, he got killed for the gospel, he's not afraid of danger he was careful the what the reason he didn't marry elizabeth for so long was he wanted to go into the jungle by himself as a single man for a season to see what it would be like to bring a wife into it hmm. and so he was even very cautious about bringing a family where he was feeling god was calling him so i mean it's a very difficult choice but on the other hand um, it's not as dangerous in the world as a lot of Americans feel like it is. No, not it's at actually all. safer here in some ways than in the U.S. So much safer. Yeah, you know, the the lack of drug use, like heavy drug use, that you know, obviously our rural communities and urban communities in the U.S. are dealing with. People don't have guns, so no, yeah, that's, they uh, makes it safer here. <laughs> Eric and Stephanie had some dogs that got rabies and they couldn't find anybody even ha- that had a bullet to put the dogs down. Yeah. Um, so that's how, yeah, so <laughs> how safe it is gun wise. So obviously on CNN, you're seeing the worst things happening around the world at any one time, but the world's a big place. And for Every place that they're kidnapping girls or there's terrorist attacks, there's hundreds of other places that are are pretty safe. Yeah, honestly. And not any worse than the U.S. Yeah, honestly, I worry more about our kids' safety when they move back to America than I do about them living here. Yeah, and, you know, part of it comes down to people just loving comfort in America. Yes. And um, not being willing to get out of their comfort zone and really see what it's like somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But there is a little bit of a real danger when it comes to medical stuff. Like you really have to know what you're getting into. Well, of in course, that depends places. on where you go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are missionaries in huge cities around the world with top-notch medical care. We have friends who are missionaries because that country, they can go to that country because that country has amazing medical care. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They have um, certain medical conditions, and they went there, and they're on a medical visa actually to be treated, but they're there as missionaries. Yeah, uh, because it's a it's a kind of a semi closed country. Yeah. Um, but you know, in a lot of poorer countries, the medical care isn't as great. Yeah. And you've got to just you've got to be prepared for it and have your plans in place and know the risks and how to combat them and kind of. Uh, just know know how to how to manage risk. You yeah. can never escape risk. You've got to know how to manage it, yeah. no matter where you live or, right. or what you're doing. And one thing that's been helpful for us is to have uh, some friends back in America who are medical professionals that yeah. we can text or call yeah. if we need to. And. and I don't know. Some there may be some medical professionals listening to this, so I just want to put this in their ear. Um, it can be kind of hard to find those people, yeah, because of the medical atmosphere in the U.S. Like they don't, they're not supposed to like give medical advice to people who aren't their patients, and yeah. there's the risks of liability. And well, stuff. and they're so busy too, and they're busy, um, but. When you're on the other side of the world and you're not billing insurance for something in America, but you need to know an expert opinion. Yeah. Like that is so valuable. And I really hope that we get a lot more Christian doctors who are willing to say, hey, I can help you. Um, anytime you have a question, call me and I'll try to tell you what I know. Yeah. That's great. Kiki's in America right now. I send her like pictures of yeah. rashes and who knows yeah. what. Yeah. Josh bashed his head open with a rock one day and I sent her a picture that said, wish you were here. I know she would have loved to have done those stitches. You just <laughs> mentioned that and now people are like, well, he did what? He bashed his head open with a rock? Um, a rock fell on me. And it hit my forehead and cut me. It's about, it's at least an inch long yeah. scar that you got there. But my wife super glued it. I didn't even have to get stitches. Yeah, I did. I super glued it myself. Learned that a long time ago so from a... be ready with your super glue if you go to the mission field. <laughs> um... Anyway. Maybe another obstacle other than rocks uh, falling on people's heads. <laughs> um, some people, okay, serious one. Uh -huh. Some people say, hey, I f I'm kind of feeling God's call to the mission field, but what's preventing me is that I just feel like I'm not good enough. Hmm. Like, like missionaries are superheroes. Yeah. They're like the best of the Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm just a normal Christian that struggles to read my Bible every day and pray. And sometimes I even yell at my kids. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not George Mueller or Hudson Taylor or something mm -hmm. like that. What do you say to someone who's struggling with that? Well... So I think there can be a, a nugget of truth to this concern. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have to be sure that they have something to add. 
yeah, to certainly you know they have something to bring and give if you don't yeah. have any knowledge or any special skill or or anything like that like what are you actually going to contribute yeah. in addition like you're walking into intense spiritual warfare satan yes. is going to attack you and especially if you're still struggling with a sin that um, that has a hold on you, like for example, um, pornography is a big issue with missions agencies appointing missionaries right now because yeah. it's su such a huge problem in our society and so many guys and girls deal with it and they don't have victory over it. Well, you can't still be fighting that sin and then step into the spiritual warfare. Like you've got to have significant victory over that struggle before you, because Satan's going to use that absolutely. to bring you down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is an absolute nugget of truth in this, but on the other hand, sometimes people are a little too hard on themselves. Maybe mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Missionaries aren't super Christians. Um, believe yeah. it or not, we're just normal people yeah. living a normal life in a different country. Yeah. And we struggle with trying to live for Christ and trying to not get hangry and <laughs> yell at our children. Some of us struggle with getting hangry more than others. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> um and, you know, we have issues in our marriage sometimes. It's not like our marriage is um, completely without its problems from time to time. We have to sit down and make sure we're communicating and just like any couple. That's right. We, we work hard to have a healthy marriage because it takes work. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't just um, discount yourself, but you've got to prepare yourself. Yeah. So has someone ever said to you, what about the needs here? In the U S in the U S of course. Yeah. That's another big obstacle is people not, not as much from people who are feeling the call, but people who are trying to talk you out of going to the mission field. Or possibly people who are trying to talk themselves out or of themselves going to the out. mission field. Yeah. I remember one guy, I can see his face, um, saying that to me before we went to Moldova. What about the needs here? There's so many people who need the gospel here. Why would you take your wife and your, your baby um, to Eastern Europe when there are so many people you could minister to here. And, you know, they're not wrong. Yeah. There are a lot of people in the U.S. who need to hear the gospel. But there are also a lot of people in the U.S. who can share the gospel with them. Exactly. Yeah. And when I think about my life, do I want to be somewhere doing something that there are thousands of other people that can do that exact thing? Or do I want to give my life for the one thing that God's called me to do that only I can do because I'm the one he's prepared for it? Exactly. And that there aren't a ton of other people 
also doing. Yeah. You know, where the, the need is so much greater. Yeah. And honestly, this is the great part of, of understanding that as a missionary, you're not going to the ends of the earth alone. You are part of a church that has sent you and that or churches and you report back to them. And so we are here and we know the needs in the U.S. are being taken care of by faithful churches that are preaching the gospel and evangelizing um, their neighborhoods. And we're a part of that. They're, They're the ones who have sent us here to do what they can't physically do because they live there. Yeah. Um, But they're doing what they're supposed to do in the U.S. and we're taking care of it here. Yeah, it just, it takes everybody doing their job because churches in America absolutely need faithful Sunday school teachers, faithful neighbors Mm -hmm. who will go out and reach their neighborhoods, faithful pastors. They need that. But if God is moving in your heart to maybe do that in another country like why would you not yeah yeah and it just shows when someone says that i know they have the best intentions but it really shows a lack of awareness of what the mission is Mm. like the tunnel vision that we're just going to focus on our own. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, period, end of sentence. He said, and then Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, he said, make disciples of all nations not just your nation. Yeah. And um, it's really sad that there are Christians in America who who are missing out on the mission that God has for us because they they have this tunnel vision about the mission. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, all of these obstacles, they're they're obstacles and they're not something you can just say, well, it's all going to be okay, at least in terms of this life. Yeah. You're taking risks. There's things you're trading off, you know, sacrifices you're making. Absolutely. But the question is, is, is Christ worth it? And he is. And he is, he is worth every sacrifice. And then the other side of it is, okay, if he's worth it, then do I trust him? Do I trust him to take care of my family? Do I trust him to guide me through every challenge and danger? Um, do I trust Jesus to take care of everything I face? Yeah. And I think that is the crux of a lot of this even more. I think there are people who would say, well, sure, of course Christ is worth it. Yeah. You know, but are you trusting him? Yeah. Do you trust him? And, you know, there's a part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that we usually skip because we go straight to go therefore and make disciples. Uh huh. But before um, Jesus says that, he starts with saying, all authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The go therefore and make disciples, that therefore is because of the all authority has been given to Jesus. Hmm. So it's not just, all right, go and do your best. It's I have all authority over everything everywhere. Now go and make disciples. And then, of course, at the end is the other part we often forget to quote. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah. And those those are just perfect bookends to that yeah. command yeah. that you can trust him yeah. in all of this. Amen. So another segment that we want to end with, just kind of to make it a little interesting, if you don't think the rest of the podcast is interesting, <laughs> I'm calling this one, the last one I called Cultural Tidbits. Uh-huh. This one I'm calling What You Readin'. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what I, You Readin'. I thought it was going to rhyme with tidbit, and no. I was going to be impressed. No. What You Readin'. Okay. All right. What You W-H-A-T-C-H-A. Why, though? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so... You think of a better title for the segment. I'll do my best. All okay. right. You what you reading? What am I reading? Yeah. Well, the girls and I just tonight finished... So we read um, to the kids. Yeah. We constantly have two books going with... I'm reading a book to the boys and a book to the girls. Josh is reading a book mm-hmm. to the boys, a book to the girls, and we switch every other night. Anyway, the girls and I just finished tonight North or Be Eaten, which is the second book in Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga. Yeah. And uh, we really loved it. And um, we were just talking to the girls before they went to bed, and I haven't read that one. I've only read the first one, and... Haley was just dying to tell me every spoiler that <laughs> she, she could think of. The biggest one she told you. But I'm I've forgotten it already. Okay. I've good. forced myself to forget. I'm reading, um, speaking of Haley, she has a lot of reading for her next school year, so I wanted to get a head start to know what she was up to. And I'm reading The Eagle of the Ninth which is a historical fiction, classic historical fiction book about the the Roman occupation of Great Britain. And it's interesting because I didn't read it as a missionary book, but it's about cultures, right? The, the native British cultures and the Roman cultures and the conflict between the cultures. And so it really makes you think um, and it's fascinating reading it as a missionary who experiences cultural crossing cultures every day cool so next time you will think of a better title (laughs) for this segment and we'll find out what we're reading then yeah thanks for listening you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Gospel Life Go 
God provides for the needs of Gospel Life through your prayers and gifts. To become a prayer or giving partner, go to gospellife.org. We hope you join us in glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. We hope that you live a gospel life.